Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I want to lay out for you some reasons why I will never, never say Black Lives Matter. And I'm not saying this to be controversial or inflammatory, but I am saying this in such a way that I think promotes my identity in Christ over and above a socio-political identity, a ethnic identity, any so-called racial identity. And so as a general principle, I'm not interested as a Christian in becoming embroiled in socio-political activism. I don't think that activism is the call or the responsibility of the church. There are many who are activists for one side of the political spectrum and the opposite side of the political spectrum. I think as believers, we need to make sure that our focus is on serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have a higher king. We have a higher calling than mere socio-political activism. Now, would I be happy if through the witness and testimony of the gospel, our society was improved and our society uh, came to have a better understanding of Judeo-Christian morality, ethics, and values? Absolutely, I would. And do I think that that would be better for society? Absolutely. But the way that I'm going to go about accomplishing that is not by becoming embroiled in social or political activism. The way that I think we as believers need to go about accomplishing that is through gospel proclamation. We proclaim the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God to affect and change the hearts of sinful man. So what I want to walk you through today is really some principles about joining yourself to any type of social, political, activist group. What should you be thinking through as a Christian when you're thinking about being coming apart of a social, political, activist group or making a social statement, a political statement? What should you be thinking about? The first reason why I won't say Black Lives Matter is that it is a semantic trap, okay? Black Lives Matter is a semantic trap. That very phrase that is now the name of the organization represents danger any direction that you turn. All right, now, what do we mean by semantics? Well, semantics, that word means the science or the study of determining meaning in language. And so what that refers to is how do you define the words that you're using? All right, how do you define the words that you're using? 
if I'm going to use the words Black Lives Matter to talk about the African-American group of people, an ethnic group of people who live in the United States who happen to have more melanin in their skin than I do, if I'm using Black Lives Matter to refer to them, uh, that's a good thing. But when you use Black Lives Matter in the way that it's currently construed in 2020 in the United States, Black Lives Matter is not a phrase that is limited or restricted in its meaning to just the plight of the African-American community. And let's acknowledge, I will acknowledge right off the bat, that there has been injustices, oppression, difficulties, and all types of other negative things that have happened to the African-American community in the United States. In fairness, I would say that many who are of Hispanic origin, many who are of Asian origin, and there are even those who are of a European origin, but who live in some very, um, we would call them backwards places. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. I'm just saying them, just saying that uh, that's the perception of these places, like Appalachia, some of those areas where there's extreme poverty among the whites who live there. Each of these ethnic groups experiences a great deal of challenges in our society. Each of these ethnic groups experiences oppression in one way or another. And the fact of the matter is we have to accept, okay, we live in a sin-cursed world. We have an incredible, incredible system of government in the United States, but it's not perfect. It, it searches for and tries to achieve lofty ideals, but in practice and in reality, uh, sometimes it falls far short. Is it better now than it used to be? Yes. Could it be better in the future? Absolutely. Will it ever be perfect? No, it won't be perfect because it's a, a fallen system of government administered by fallen human beings. And so there will never, ever, ever be true justice on this planet until the Lord Jesus Christ returns to rule and reign for a thousand years during the period of time known as the millennial reign of Christ, the millennial kingdom. All that to say, using the phrase Black Lives Matter is a semantic trap for anybody. All right, if you say Black Lives Matter and you're only referring to the ethnic group known as African Americans in the United States, you're going to be called out and say, well, if you agree with the plight of African Americans, then you should agree with the organization who is trying to do something for those African Americans. If you say, you know what, I don't believe that Black Lives Matter, I will not say that, then, and this is probably what I'll be accused of, people are going to say, well, you're, you're a racist. You're a racist because you won't acknowledge that black people's lives are important. All right, so what we fall into with the very phrase Black Lives Matter is a semantic trap where you can't win. So if you refuse to say Black Lives Matter, then it looks like you don't care about the African-American community. But if you do say Black Lives Matter, 
You have no way to limit the meaning of black lives to just the people in the African-American community. When you say and you affirm Black Lives Matter, it's also giving a thumbs up to the organization Black Lives Matter. And I would imagine that if many, many people were more well-educated about the belief system of the organization Black Lives Matter, people would not be so quick to jump on the bandwagon of Black Lives Matter. So the first reason to summarize why I will not say Black Lives Matter is I don't want to get drawn into a semantic trap where my words can be used against me no matter how I say them. So I'm just going to refuse to say Black Lives Matter. That doesn't say anything about what I think about the plight of the African-American ethnic group. As I've already mentioned, I do think that there are legitimate causes of redress that they have, and those things ought to be dealt with in a serious manner, all right? You can't win, though, when you get drawn into a semantic argument because the other side will just shift the definition on you, and it's like pulling the rug out from underneath you. You just, you can't win that argument. The second reason that I'm not going to say Black Lives Matter and I've already alluded to this in the podcast. But the second reason I will not say Black Lives Matter is that I believe social activism takes away from gospel activism. And one of the great tragedies that I see being repeated in the church in the 21st century is the same problem that the church had in the late 1800s and early 20th century, so that would be the early 1900s. And that was this, making church life all about social issues, making the church's purpose equivalent with righting the social wrongs of society. This comes out in the 21st century church as the social justice movement. You could say that the critical race theory and its proponents are a subset of the social justice movement in church. A hundred years ago, we called this the social gospel. And the basic tenet is something like this, okay? The basic tenet is, if we help meet people's felt needs, then they will be more receptive to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if we meet their felt needs, then we can talk to them about their spiritual needs. And I think that they would cite as as a biblical proof of that the fact that Jesus did meet many people's felt needs by performing signs and wonders. He healed a great number of people from illnesses. He um, provided for people on various occasions physical things that they legitimately needed. And they say, well, see, look at the model of Jesus. Well, I'll give you that. Jesus did perform miracles to heal people, and sometimes miracles to provide for people's physical needs. But the purpose of the miracle wasn't just to help the person. The purpose of the miracle was to confirm that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, and he should be listened to. You know, Jesus 
didn't perform miracles in a vacuum. There are occasions in the New Testament where it says that he healed many people in a certain place, but he didn't do that in a vacuum. The miracles that Jesus did were a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. The purpose of the miracles that Jesus did were to authenticate his message. That's always the purpose of miracles. If you trace the history of miracles in the Bible, you find that there's literally hundreds of years that go by without any miracles at all being performed. And people have a misconception that miracles happen over and over and over again. They're just, the Bible's full of miracles. Well, certain periods of time in the Bible are filled with miracles, and then there are long periods of time where no miracles occur. Miracles, signs and wonders, is the legitimate violation or the breaking of a natural law in order to accomplish something that would have otherwise been impossible. A lot of what we think of as miracles today are not true miracles. They're they're very unlikely, but they're not true miracles in the same way that, let's say, Moses uh, spoke to a rock and water poured out of the rock. Or in the same way that manna appeared from heaven every morning for the Israelites. And those who gathered too much manna had it turn into worms and turn rotten the next morning. That's a true miracle. That's, that's not scientifically possible. It violates the natural laws that God established. And so in this brief overview of miracles, you could say, you know, Moses and Joshua performed a great number of miracles during their earthly ministries. That probably lasted, you know, a period of 40 to 80 years, all right? Then there was not miracles for a long time. And there are occasional things that happened, but miracles weren't the everyday happenstance. Then there were the prophets Elijah and Elisha who performed a great number of miracles. Then there was Jesus and the apostles who performed miracles for maybe a 25-year period. But even towards the end of the New Testament era, you know, on into the late AD 50s and AD 60s, the sign gifts, the miraculous sign gifts, the, the, the wonderful ones that broke and violated laws of nature, those were beginning to disappear even in the church. So to use the art argument, that Jesus used miracles to meet people's felt needs and then to then minister the gospel to them. That's, that's not quite understanding the main purpose of miracles. That's, that may be a sub-point of why Jesus did miracles, but it wasn't the main purpose of doing the miracles. And so, therefore, I think that's a fallacious argument to use in social justice or social gospel to say, well, I'm going to meet somebody's felt needs, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm going to speak the gospel to them, all right? One of the things that Paul said in his epistles is that he endeavored to know nothing amongst the people that he was ministering to except Christ and Christ crucified. He didn't come doing miracles or doing great works 
he came preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people, when they heard the gospel, were convicted of their sin, and they repented, and they trusted in Jesus as Savior. Yes, Paul did do some miracles, but he didn't do the miracle first and then preach the gospel. Many times, Paul just preached the gospel, and no miracle was involved in his ministry at all. Now, the overwhelming takeaway, the overarching point that I want you to glean from this short discussion is this. If you're doing social activism for the purpose of trying to preach the gospel, then you have things backwards. You have things backwards. The New Testament does not lend credence or give any pattern to this idea that you have to do social activism first, that you meet people's social felt needs first, then you preach the gospel. Quite the opposite. Many times people's felt needs are cleared up and cleaned up and taken care of. They're resolved, if you will, when you preach the gospel first and that person understands who Jesus Christ is and repents from their sins and trusts in Christ. Many times that causes such a turnaround in their thinking that what they think was the felt need is no longer the felt need. Their thinking has been transformed by the power of the gospel. And so social activism, when Christians become involved in social activism or jumping on social bandwagons, it takes away from gospel activism. And we as Christians have one commission, one command, that is make disciples of all the nations. How do we do that? We do it by going to the nations, we do it by baptizing, and we do it by teaching them, the conversion, the, those who are converted, the disciples, to observe all that was commanded by Jesus Christ. When Christians focus and use their energy on social activism, they're taking time and resources away from gospel activism. The world has plenty of people on either side of the spectrum, left, right, and everywhere in the center, to focus on the social issues of the day. But nobody from the world is going to take up the cross of Jesus Christ and proclaim the gospel to deal with man's most fundamental need, which is how can he be forgiven of his sins? Christian, if you want to do something for a social cause. I'm not going to tell you that you're sinning, but I am going to say you need to really think and evaluate whether the social cause that you're trying to serve is advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ or taking away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church has this very confused. The church has had this confused for the last number of years, and you can tell that it's confused because there are so many quote-unquote mission trips that happen with the sole purpose of the mission trip being to go build a building or go um, take care of some kind of felt need that somebody might have, help them start a farm or repair something that was torn down by a hurricane or whatever the case might be. These are called mission trips. Well, the mission of the church is church planting. So if you're not doing church planting, if you're not doing gospel evangelism, gospel proclamation, then you're not doing 
the mission of the church. You may be doing a mercy trip. It may be a service trip. And that's fine. Totally fine. But call it what it is. It's a ministry of mercy. It's a ministry of service to somebody who's less fortunate. It's not a mission. It's not the mission of the church. So, dear Christian, I want you to really consider, is social activism something that you ought to be involved in? Or is gospel proclamation where you ought to spend the bulk of your time and your resources and your energy? I'm not going to say Black Lives Matter because I don't want to get drawn into social activism. Because if, if this issue is important about Black Lives Matter, then what about the next issue? And what about the next issue? And what about the next issue? And you can just be overwhelmed with how many social causes that there are, and you can fail to do the main cause that Christ called us to do, which is make disciples of all nations. A third reason that I am particularly against the Black Lives Matter movement and organization is that the organization has a belief system that is fundamentally opposed to the scriptures. Now, over the last six weeks, I've been working on this particular podcast, and I've, I've thought to myself, do I do it? Do I not do it? What are the main points? I have a lot of research on the foundation of the Black Lives Matter organization, and, and I just have a lot of research that I've done on this particular podcast. But as I thought and prayed about this episode, what really became evident to me was what I said at the beginning. I'm not interested in getting into a political argument over the Black Lives Matter organization. What I'm interested in doing is dissecting whether the organization is consistent with biblical theology or not. And if the organization, Black Lives Matter, is not consistent with biblical theology, then I cannot support that organization. I can't support their cause. They may even be pointing out something that absolutely needs to change, but I am not going to promote their organization or give any credence to their organization in any way, shape, or form because the organization's fundamental belief system is diametrically opposed to the Bible's fundamental belief system. And so what I would say is this. There are three main aspects. I could, I could elaborate, but I'm just going to pick three. There are three main aspects of the Black Lives Matter organization's statement of faith and statement of beliefs that I find to be extraordinarily troublesome and contradictory to the Word of God. And because of these, I cannot support the organization. Am I for police reform? Sure. I think it's good. I think it's, it's always good when we can hold our public servants to a high standard of conduct and righteousness. But I can't do it by supporting the Black Lives Matter organization because what they want is far more than just our public servants held to a high standard. They want a radical transformation of the society and the culture in which we live. 
And I'm going to start with what I think to be the most significant issue in their statement of faith. And I'm going to move to, I don't want to say least significant, but I'm going to, in my ranking, I'm ranking this one number one. Okay. The first reason that I cannot support the Black Lives Matter organization, and I found, I printed off from their website and their What We Believe page. I printed this off about three weeks ago. Uh, this is uh, August 5th, 2020. So who knows how much longer it will remain on their website? I can't say, but I can say for a fact that I have printed it off and I'm reading directly from it. The first issue that I have with the statement of faith of Black Lives Matter is this, that they are interested and they are hoping to accomplish the dissolution of the nuclear family. All right, they want to, according to, here's their statement of faith. I'm going to read it to you directly. We want to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages, quote unquote, that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. So, two major things right there. Number one, they want to undo the nuclear family structure. Now, God is the one who established the nuclear family structure. You recall in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam was made on the sixth day of creation, and Adam named all the animals of creation, but no uh, creature was found suitable for Adam. So God put him to sleep and took one of his ribs, and out of that rib he fashioned a woman. So there was a man and there was a woman. And God says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That one flesh relationship refers not only to the physical union of the man and the woman in sexual union, but it also refers to a spiritual component, that they are one together spiritually in some unique way. And the two of them become one flesh, and then they fulfill the command that God gave them to be fruitful and to multiply having many children. What's really interesting here is the Black Lives Matter organization says that they want to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. So they would reject the one man, one woman with their own biological children. They're rejecting that. That is anti-biblical. What else is really telling is that there is no place for fathers in their system. Note what it says very carefully. That collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Well, where's the father? Why can't they say mothers, fathers, and children? They're saying mothers, parents, and children. Parents in particular because I think they're referring to uh, homosexual couples, either a man and a man or a, a woman and a woman. And that's we'll get to that part of their statement of faith in a, in a moment. But look at no mention of fathers. No mention of fathers. You know, the biggest problem 
that social scientists agree upon in the black community is fatherlessness. That there are not fathers around to be good role models for young men. And so when young men grow up and they get to be preteen and early teen years, what do they do? They start running with a gang because there's a male role model, a male figure. I didn't say it was a good role model, but it's a male role model. Black Lives Matter wants to continue and perpetuate the problem of fatherlessness in the African-American community. And, you know, God has given men to be the leaders of their family, the leaders of their wives. God has endowed fathers and husbands with a certain authority. It is an extension of his authority, but it is an authority nonetheless. And this organization totally rejects God's plan and purpose for men and for fathers. So that's the first major issue that I have, that they, as an organization, want to do away with nuclear family. The second major issue that I have is that they view the entire world through the lens of race, all right? They, they are separating communities up into you're a, you're a white community, you're a black community, you're a brown community, Latino, Latinx, whatever, whatever it is. They have race-colored glasses through which they view the world. And I would say that biblically, their view of race is antithetical to what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that there was one race. There may be multiple ethnicities, but there is only one race. It is the human race. It is the race known as mankind. All right? And God, when he created man in his image, said this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, according to our likeness. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So the notion that there are all these different races, that there's the African race and the European race and the Asian race and the um, South American race and all the Native American races and all these different races, that is a unbiblical notion. There is only one race. There are a multitude of ethnicities, but there is only one race. And the Black Lives Matter organization has made it very clear that they are working to view the world through a lens that is black. They want to only view the world through the black person's experience. All right. Here's what they say. Our continued commitment to liberation for all black people means that we are continuing the work of our ancestors and fighting for our collective freedom because it is our duty. We work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and, by extension, all people. Okay, but black comes first. And here's, here's what they say. We are unapologetically black in our positioning. In affirming that Black Lives Matter, we need not qualify our position. To love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. 
We see ourselves as part of a global black family. And we are aware of the different ways that we are impacted or privileged as black people who exist in different parts of the world. This all sounds wonderful, but it's basically circular reasoning. How are you going to view other communities as legitimate or equal if you're viewing everything through the lens of black? Either we are one race, the human race, with different ethnicities, or we are different races. And you can have the Darwinian model of superior races and inferior races. See, that's really what evolution teaches. If you're really understanding what evolution teaches, then you would understand that Darwin himself was a racist, racist, quote-unquote. All right, I'm going to use the world's terminology. Darwin was a racist in that he viewed the European race as superior to the African race. He viewed the European race as superior to the races he encountered in South America and Central America where he did his studies. Darwin was a racist, and the theory of evolution is something that he came up with to help promote his racism, that one race is superior to others. So if the position of Black Lives Matter is that we're going to be unapologetically black, what they're saying is black is the superior race. Black is better than all the other races. And we will maybe tolerate and allow some of the other races to flourish and do some things, but only after we have established our superiority and we get everything that we want for ourselves. If I could coin a term, all right, if I could make up a term, I would call this reverse colonialism. All right, this is reverse colonialism. Colonialism was that idea that was popular in the 1700s, 1800s, that the European races were indeed superior to all the other races in the world. And the goal of uh, colonialism was to go and conquer all the other portions of the world and then to make those races just like the Europeans. That was colonialism. It also involved the exploitation of all their natural resources and their people and many other things like that. But one of the basic tenets was, hey, we're European, we're better than you, and so we're going to go and, and take you over. This is a reverse colonialism. This is, we're not European, and therefore we are better than you, and so we want to take and destroy everything that you Europeans have valued. And that's why they, they posit here later in their statement of beliefs, the first point that I dealt with about Western nuclear family. They want to destroy that. That's a reverse colonial idea, reverse colonialism. In contrast, the Bible views man as, as one race made in the image of God. And there are eight things that we have that the animal kingdom does not have that allow us to be made in the image of God. And I'm going to try to rattle them off here by memory. It is that we have a personality, we have intellect, we have emotions, we have a will, we have a spirit, we have authority that's been given to us by God, and we have the ability to be creative. And the eighth one is slipping my mind, but that's seven, okay? Those seven things every human being has, whether you're from Africa or Asia or North America, Europe, South America, it doesn't matter where you're from, you have those things. That's what makes you unique. 
and what makes you made in the image of God. And that is why the gospel is a message for all the nations, because the gospel views all men as equal. All men need this truth because all men are sinners. So I reject the the racism that is inherent in the Black Lives Matter organization. Finally, a third major point why I will not support this particular organization, Black Lives Matter. A third major point is this. They are guided by the fact, I'm just going to read it to you. Here it is. We are guided by the fact that all Black Lives Matter regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. They are unapologetically LGBTQA plus affirming in their positioning. In fact, if my memory serves correctly, two of the three founding members of the BLM organization are lesbians. And so their whole, one of their main agenda purposes is to promote an LGBTQA plus lifestyle. And that is totally incompatible with the Bible. The Bible says that there is one man and one woman who should be married in a monogamous relationship that should last for the lifetime. And that ought to produce children. That's God's plan and purpose. Anything deviating from that is sin. And that's not to say that, you know, homosexuality is a much greater sin than some of the other sins. It is an abomination because it is a perversion of God's original intent. It is a unique perversion of God's original intent. And perhaps the church hasn't been as strong as we ought to have been in condemning divorce in condemning adultery, in condemning fornication and premarital sexual relations. The church ought to speak stronger on those issues. And I think that uh, at our church, we have tried to do that. In my teaching in the youth group and other opportunities that I've had to talk about this, I've tried to, to do that. But the Black Lives Matter organization wants to affirm LGBTQA plus lifestyle as a normative, biologically acceptable way of life. And that is just contrary to the Word of God. You start in Genesis 1 where, you know, it was a man and a woman who were created and brought together, and the union of them is called a one-flesh union. So that's where it begins. And then you could trace throughout the Bible God's consistent condemnation of homosexual activity and behavior. You can also trace through the Bible God's consistent condemnation of infidelity, adultery, fornication, and other illicit sexual behavior. God is extraordinarily consistent that he demands sexual purity from people. That's a very important thing to God. It doesn't mean sex is bad. It doesn't mean sex is dirty or anything like that, but sex is a good thing given by God for husbands and wives, you know, for a husband and a wife to enjoy together. 
All right, not with anybody else's husband or wife, but with your husband or your wife. And for that reason, I I have to categorically reject the tenets of the Black Lives Matter organization. It's incompatible with biblical theology. Now, I hope that you understand what I'm laying out here are biblical reasons why I reject this organization. There are many people who are and can lay out the political reasons. One thing I've tried to avoid is getting into a discussion as to whether this is cultural Marxism or not. That's for somebody else to make an argument for. I happen to believe it is an organization that wants to uh, promote and endorse cultural Marxism, but that's not my sphere, okay? My sphere is the Bible. And how, how do we understand this statement of faith by Black Lives Matter in light of biblical truth? We need to do what's appropriate in light of biblical truth. And in order to do that, I cannot endorse or say Black Lives Matter. And I will not. And if that's a test for some type of fellowship, then I guess I failed the test. But I'd rather be straight and honest with the Lord Jesus Christ and with his word than with any man on this earth. I hope that you'll really consider these things and think about them. And I hope that you will come to the same convictions that I have regarding these matters. May God bless you as you study his word and as you consider these realities.